guys. Yeah, my name is Emily, and I've been serving with Emmaus for four semesters. This is my fourth semester here, and my very first official sermon, speaking opportunity. Woohoo! Yes! I've actually been itching to have this mic for a long time, but not because I'm qualified, but because I'm passionate about communicating truth. So, um... Let's pray before we start so that the truth that I speak would not just be my words, but by the Spirit of God. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you that this time is set apart, that it is um, an anointed, God, for us to encounter you and for us to know you more. And so, God, would you open up the word to us and reveal your son Christ, reveal what it looks like to love you and be your body and your church, um, and ultimately, God, make us fall more passionately in love with you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I have written in my notes here. Start off with a compliment. Winky face, smiley winky face. So you guys look lovely. You're wonderful and beautiful and talented. And I'm actually, I want to speak on that a little bit tonight about all the things you are, the things that only God has designed you to be. Because actually you're all sitting here with different histories and backgrounds, crazy stories, and maybe some mellow stories too, and different personalities, and everything all together time, whether it's in middle school or high school or college, we all find ourselves at a juncture where we seem to not quite fit in. We've all experienced that. Well, I don't fit in with this group of people. And I don't fit in with that group of people either. And I feel kind of like out of my skin when I'm trying to do this or that, right? So you have an understanding that you fit in in some places, quote, unquote, fit in. And then you don't fit in at other times, right? And all of us have felt like that person who doesn't fit in. But I want to tell you tonight that it's not your goal to fit in ever, never, That was never God's intention for you when he created you. He didn't want you to fit in. He didn't want you to follow a trend or a pattern of people. That's why he made you different. You're different for a specific purpose. You're what I call an outlier. So if you took statistics like I did, it was like the only class in college that I slept through. But (laughs) like you have like a scatter plot, right? Charting all these different results. And most of them kind of clump together, but then there are the few results that don't stick with the trend, right? Those are called outliers. But all of you, if you're made by God, you're an outlier. You're made to look different. No one created by God is made to look the same. You're just not. That would be no fun for God, let me just tell you. No fun. Because he doesn't want to worship someone who worships him the same way back as another person. Because actually when you worship him, when you give praise to him, when you talk with him, you're coming to him with your own personality and your own experiences that ref- like reflect in the words you say to him and what you're going through. And he doesn't want to do that. Like he doesn't want to do that 10,000 times. Like just like you don't want to like, I don't know, do something 10,000 times. Who wants to do something 10,000 times? Nobody, God included. So he made you unique because he had, there's an experience in his relationship with you that he can only have with you. And with no other person. And there's, a, there's this thing that I like learned when I was in high school that I couldn't get over. Someone once said, like, you're God's favorite to me. 
And I was like, that makes no sense. Like, I'm thinking logically here. Like, I'm one person and there are 7 billion people in the world. I cannot possibly be God's favorite one. There's no way. I'm not that special compared to my neighbor or to my mother or to my friend, you know. I'm not that special that I can be God's favorite one. But then I, you know, because it was a puzzle and I like puzzles, I took it and I meditated on it. And I was like, I'm your favorite one. I'm your favorite one. And then I realized, I was like, I'm your favorite Emily because there's no other Emily. I get it. I get it. So each of you, you're your favorite you. God's like, you're his favorite creation of you because there is no other like you. It says in Zephaniah 3.17 that God rejoices over us with singing and dancing, right? Which is awesome. So I think that sometimes God will might dance over someone with like lyrical dance and he might like sing and dance over someone with hip hop, you know, like whatever is like his style for you. But it says that he rejoices over you with singing, right? But I also imagine that that song is unique to you because it reflects his relationship and his journey with you throughout your life, right? So that song is individually tailored to each person over your victories and your personality and your intimate moments with him, right? And God, just like you don't want to have a song stuck in your head for 24 hours, God does not want to sing the same song over every person on the earth, right? So we can just say that God loves diversity. That's why there are so many different cultures and so many different languages. Even within a language, so many different dialects and accents. God loves diversity. But the problem is, the problem is that we as people, by our safe loving nature, we safety, safety loving nature, we try to gather to people who are similar to us. Right? We try to gather to people who look like us. We try to gather to people who will make us feel comfortable where it's easy to invest in relationship because we are worried about the cost of investing in relationship if it's hard. Right? So we tend to gather into our own little cliques, and because of that, you're left with these outliers. People who feel like, well, I'm not going to pretend to be someone I'm not to fit in, but now I feel lonely and not accepted right? And this is a problem in the church, a big problem in the church too, because Christians tend to gather on people who look like them. And then we kind of try to act the same way. And some of us, like some of us will go to John 17 verse 21, where it says, um, you know, like let them be one father as I am one in you. Like let them be one in me. And as we are one, right? And people take that and they're like, we're all supposed to look the same. Jesus looked a certain way. We all have to look exactly like that expression of Jesus. But that's not true. Jesus, when he walked the earth, he did look a certain way and he lived a certain way. And knowing the way he lived is important, but that way can be expressed uniquely through you, right? Because you have a different temperament and different personality and a different history. You live in a different time, right? There's so many variables, But the church is kind of like somehow because we're scared of disagreeing and we're scared of conflict, we've just been like, we have to be the same. And we're only going to find people who look like us so that when I evangelize to someone, they look like me. And when I like create a small group, it's going to be people who I can relate to so that there's no 
conflict and I can say that I loved every person. But that's not really love, right? It's not love. And it's not really what God has intended for us. God has intended for us to be part of family, part of community. Even when you look at the Trinity, the Trinity is three persons, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They love being relational. And so they've created us to be relational with one another, but not with people who look like us. I was thinking of an example while I was writing this. I was like, okay, like, how can I express this? And someone suggested that I do X-Men, but I've never watched X-Men, so I can't speak on that at all. <laughs> but I have seen one movie of the Avengers, okay? And so Avengers, there's six, six superheroes, Hulk, Captain America, Hawkeye, Black Widow, Iron Man, who else? Is that it? Five? Thor! Right, Thor. Six people, right? And they are completely different from each other, right? Completely different. With different talents, different personalities. They get in their fair share of arguments, right? But they're absolutely indispensable for each other as a team. They could not save the world if it was not for their teamwork in spite of all their differences. Where one person is lacking in their weakness, another person makes up for in their strength, right? Right? Where one person has a great capacity to think well, another person has a capacity to feel well, right? Your life can not only consist of encouragers. You need people who discipline you as well right? Your life cannot only consist of people who like to watch movies because you need to go outside and like play in the park too, right? So you need diversity in your life and the diversity in the people around you is actually a strength to you. It supplements your strengths when you don't have strength. And so God has designed us uniquely with differences so that when we join together in unity, we have this amazing strength and we demonstrate his love more because we're loving each other uniquely, if that makes sense. Can you imagine if the Avengers was just like six Iron Men? All Tony Stark? That would be terrible. That would be awful. They would be like, I can just see him like arguing with himself or being like really arrogant and like, you know, whatever. Right? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. So, um, I want you to open your Bibles at this point, because we do need to open our Bibles, to 1 Corinthians. Chapter 12. And we're going to turn... I'm, I'm flipping to... La, la, la. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. I will read... The even verses, and you can read the odd verses, except I'm going to keep reading for the audio recording, okay? All right, so join me on the odd verses. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. 
And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? That as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And on our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that has lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Let's read this last verse together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. That is like a crazy paragraph. It kind of shows you like into the psyche of even people back then that Paul had to address this issue. Like, it doesn't matter that you're not like this person. It doesn't matter that you dream dreams and that he can like, you know, prophesy. It doesn't matter that you're preaching and that he's like leading a small group. It doesn't matter that you're different. You're still valuable. This has been an issue over time forever, right? Because we have a tendency to compare ourselves. We're trying to hit a mark. We want to hit the mark. We want to be who we're supposed to be, but then because there's no one like us, we don't know, like, how am I supposed to get there, right? But the point is to look at Christ. The point is I can fully be myself if I look at Christ, and I don't have to look at someone else to tell me how to be like Christ. I look at the Word. I engage in the Word, and I engage with God in prayer, and He transforms me to be the only me that I can be, not by looking at someone else's giftings, not looking at the, their methods, their way of living, but only by the word and what his word is working in me. Because your processes are all different, right? But this last verse, verse 27, says, Now you are the whole, you are the body of Christ and, what does it say? Individually members of it. So God's not like, you're one blob, you're like one body. He's like, you are individually members of it. So when he sees you, he sees an individual, and then he steps back and he also sees the church working together, hopefully in unity. That's the goal. Now, but this can be difficult, right? So I'm going to move on. This can be difficult. So how do we solve this issue? Because being one may not be the same as being alike, but if we are not alike, then how are we supposed to get along? Right? We're going to start familias this upcoming week, and there will be people in your familia that you don't get along with. Guaranteed. You can hide it or try to hide it, but you'll go home and you'll be like, oh, that person. God, why my familia? Right? But... It is possible, I have a witness, <laughs> it is possible to live with them, do life with them, love them honestly, and truly, at the end of the semester, feel encouraged by them, and feel like they're a valuable part 
of who you are and your life. Okay? It is done by love. Everyone say love. I've created an acronym for you that fits the answer. So the answer is love, but I'm going to break it down, okay? So the first one, L. Thank you. <laughs> Let conflict happen. That's good. Say it with me. Let conflict happen. We spend a lot of time trying to avoid conflict because we don't want to face our own issues. We don't want to face their issues. But in, the, in that whole running away, we make no progress of growth whatsoever. Okay? You're going to see things differently because you have different perspectives. That's a given. So accept it and let conflict happen. Jesus didn't say that we had to agree to be one because he didn't ask us to be the same as each other. He asked us to be one in him. That means I'm going to be one in my love towards him. And I know my neighbor also is one in his or her love towards him. So we're loving God and we don't see the eye to eye, but we know that our faith is still in Jesus and our hope is still in Jesus and our love is still in Jesus. So we have a lot to relate about whether or not we agree. And we have to acknowledge that each one of us is in process. So maybe in 10 years, we might agree because our experiences will teach us that. But at this point, we don't have to agree. And it's okay to express our differences because we can learn and we can grow. Okay? So let conflict happen. O is outward focus. Very good. Outward focus. Okay? Okay. Outward focus, you can like talk a lot about this, but I'm just going to make it short. Philippians 2.3 says, consider one another better than yourselves. Even as Christ considered us better than himself when he died on a cross, right? That means I should consider your perspective, your life worth more than mine. Although mine, that doesn't negate the value of my own life, but I should consider you first and I should love you first. And what happens if you have an outward focus that you're considering others before yourself, you actually, you stop thinking about yourself amazingly enough, right? You stop thinking about yourself and then you stop comparing yourself with other people because you're not the focus of your world anymore, right? And without that comparison, you feel less insecure, more fully who you're supposed to be, and then more fully able to love them because you're more fully you. It's kind of interesting how that works, right? Okay, V. (laughs) Okay, value people. Okay, this is very similar to outward focus, but value people means that in each person, there is gold inside of them. There may be dirt on you now. You may look like a diamond in the rough now, but there is gold gold, gold, gold inside of you. And your whole life is a process of God uncovering it. And God uncovers it through people, through the relationships that you have. So be aware that every relationship you have, there's gold in that person. You're calling the gold out of them and they're calling the gold out of you. And it's by your relationship that that happens. So you have to keep that in mind. Like, man, they're different in me, but their differences are gold. And my differences are gold, right? There's a really cool quote, but it's not by anyone in particular. It's an unknown quoter, maker. Unity is not conformity, but the celebration 
of diversity. Unity is not conformity, but the celebration of diversity. So when God asks us to be one, he asks us to love one another to the extent that I'm not disagreeing with your differences. I'm celebrating your differences because I realize that each one of us, as it says in like Genesis, we're made in the image of God. That means I reflect a part of God and you reflect a part of God. And that if I embrace you and celebrate your differences, I'm really celebrating the nature of God and his creativity and how diverse and creative he is, right? Okay. There's also this really cool verse in Ephesians that I meditated on the other day, and it's really awesome. It's Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. And I never saw it before until recently this summer. Um, I'll read it for you. Hold on. Or you can turn there if you want to read it too. It's all good. We're going to be in Ephesians in a moment anyway. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 says, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, he's in a prayer, right? Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. That's Jesus. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the what? In the saints. Glorious riches of inheritance in the saints. That means God has intended that I will find valuable things in the relationships around me. But I have to value those relationships and invest in them. All right. The last one, E, is embrace the cross. Good job, guys. Okay. Embrace the cross. For others and yourself. The cross, when Jesus died on the cross, he covered and atoned my sins. He also covered and atoned your sins. So yes, your neighbor is going to hurt you. And yes, You are going to hurt your neighbor, but the cross covers both of you. So forgive them and learn to grow from that experience. When you get hurt, don't shut down. That's not part of God's plan for you to shut down and be like, well, they were too different for me and they hurt me. And so I give up on people and I give up, especially on that type of person, right? That's not the plan. That's not the plan. The plan is to forgive them. And learn to love them better. Because the more I can love your differences, the greater my boundaries of love are. And the greater glory God gets in love. Right? The greater my boundaries of love are, the greater God's glory he gets when I love someone. And then that's, that's what Jesus is talking about in John 17 when he says that we're to be one in him. And then for, as he is in the Father. And for the world to know him because of that. It's because our boundaries of love, of honest to goodness, I value you, selfless love, love, our boundaries are so much greater than that of the world's. Because we've faced conflict, because we've forgiven, because we value the differences and we celebrate our differences in people, right? I could go on about this for a long time. If you want to read more about love, read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient, love is kind, and like bears all things, endures all things. A lot of those words like bear, endure, be patient, <laughs> they kind of give you a sense of what loving someone is like. We expect love to be happy-go-lucky and like easy. But the Bible says when it talks about love, it's like bear, endure, Be patient, be humble, be gentle. Those are not easy things. And they show us that loving is not easy. They show us that I'm going to have to chama sometimes. Like, you know, 
They show us that I'm going to have to fight to love someone sometimes in persistence. They show us that I'm going to have to give way sometimes to someone else's love, to love someone and let just let them win. Be humble, right? Man, I'm not an expert in love, guys. I'm talking about this, but it's uh, so challenging. Okay, so challenging. But in the end, we are not called to be the same. We don't have the same stories, the same destinies, or the same personalities. We're called to complete each other as a body by being uniquely who we were created to be. By celebrating differences, we stand as individuals who can support each other in the body. Yeah. Yeah. When we celebrate our differences and recognize that Christ is in me and Christ is also in you, and that I hope for the same thing that you hope for, then we can fight together in anything. We can support and encourage each other in anything. And I think that's the most important thing is knowing, like, I don't have to compare myself to you because I am intentionally an outlier. I'm intentionally different. God purposed it that way because his love would be known greater and because I would know his love greater. So I'm intentionally an outlier, but I know that I have the same hope as you do in Christ, and so let's do this thing together. And that's what the church looks like. That's unity. That's love. That's the body of Christ is all of that together. Um, yeah, I'm going to close this time with kind of just like a response. We're going to pray. You get the opportunity to just talk with God about what you just heard. Um, so I'm going to invite JP up on the guitar. As you listen to this sermon... You may have identified with some parts of it or other parts of it. And in general, I think all of us fall on one sort of spectrum when it comes to this issue about my individuality and loving others. And it can be on one end of the spectrum that we may feel threatened by differences. Differences scare us. And we don't know if we can love them well because we're a little bit afraid of what looks different than us. And at the other end of the spectrum, we feel threatened by similarities. We're afraid of looking similar because we're afraid of losing what makes us unique and distinctive. And for some of us, being unique or distinctive is the only value we've found in our life. So you could be anywhere along that spectrum. You could be over here where I'm afraid of looking like someone else because I'm afraid of losing my value or I'm afraid of differences because I'm afraid of what it looks like to deal with conflict and, and work through those things. But in all of that spectrum, usually there's an aspect of us comparing ourselves to someone else, comparing my life to someone else, comparing my accomplishments to someone else, comparing my walk with someone else, right? And that was never God's intention was for you to compare. It's actually the enemy's intention to make you feel uncomfortable in your own skin and insecure by making you compare so that you're less fully you and less fully revealing who God is. So, um, For each of you, God has a unique process. And so there's no shame in where he has you in process. And there's no need to be hard on yourself for what you look like right now. Because you don't see what he sees 20 years from now. 
And you have no idea how he's going to use your story. But I feel like some of you may feel stronger than others that you've never fit in. Um, or that you've felt too different your entire life, or that you have a tendency to compare yourself a lot to others or to other people. So if everyone could just bow their head for a moment. If you feel like you've been someone who has found a pattern in your life of comparing yourself to other people, or that you've always felt like you never fit in, I want to invite you up to the front in your own time. So I'll ask um, if Diane can come up here and if Ruth can come up here and if um, Dan, if you could come up here too. These are some of the leaders we have at Emmaus. Ruth and Dan are crew members and Diane is our student representative. And they're here to declare life over you. So if you've ever felt that you needed to compare yourself with someone or that you're not good enough or that you never felt like you fit in, they're going to pray love over you and release what God thinks about you to your heart to encourage you. So if you've never really grasped what the Father's perspective is of you and if you don't really, or if you've forgotten, it's been a long time since you've encountered what God thinks of you, then I did invite you just to come up and they're just going to encourage you. They're going to let you know how much God loves you. Um, yeah. And you're also welcome to pray with one another if that's more comfortable for you, if you want to pray with your neighbor. But yeah, we'll just open up this time.